0: You're listening to the Funny Women's Survival Guide, the uplifting tongue in cheek podcast where we chat to British comedy's funniest females in an attempt to cheer up and entertain the nation in these uncertain times. And here's your host, Alexis Strum. On this week's show, I'm joined by comedians Sam Baines and Anna Morris. Now, I know Anna pretty well because um, she's appeared at my live storytelling night, the time I almost on numerous occasions. Uh, but Sam, it was just someone that I followed from afar on Twitter. So it's it's great to get them both together. And I didn't realise until I did my homework that both of them suffer from hearing loss. So actually, a lot of our chat on this episode is about that. And it was really enlightening to learn about how it's affected them personally and get a little bit more perspective on how those with hearing loss might have been impacted by the pandemic. But that's not all that we chat to them about. We also cover Bridezilla's Magic Mike and the difficulties of writing jokes about your dead gran. So it's all totally random, as planned. Also joining us in the studio is Lynn Parker from Funny Women. How is everyone today? Very good thank you. Sam?
1: Yeah I'm all right. (laughs) I did yoga. I feel like an incredible human being because I managed to do a yoga session in lockdown.
0: You do look super chill right now actually I must say. Yeah it's the Kent Kent
2: countryside isn't it Sam?
1: Yeah and the yoga and the and
0: the cat. And Lynn how are we uh, how are we in funny women towers Ooh,
2: today? Very um we've had another hectic week we we've had a event last night with the Fawcett Society and um
0: and how do you know these two ladies what's the funny women connection here? Well
2: as ever it's the funny women awards um Sam reached the final of the stage award in 2014 Pipped to the post by Jade Adams, who um, we all know and love. And uh, Anna won, I think it was our inaugural Best Show, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, we we introduced Best Show Award. And um, you won it for the show whose name I've completely forgotten. Um, Perfect, the wedding show. Oh, the wedding show.
1: I think I was nominated on the shortlist for a Best Show as well. I think you
2: might have been, but I can't remember what year.
1: Me neither. (laughs) (laughs)
2: But being nominated is enough Sam
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah. it's all good stuff and I know you girls from Twitter followed you avidly and you're both very funny ladies obviously I only hang around with funny people and Anna has come and done my um the time I almost night as has Lynn before so that's our connection and um big fan of Lee and Dean and big fan of Magic Mike with so much so much to cover today um (laughs) but of course we have to start off with uh, what emoji of the day are we today? Because uh, that's the most important inf- information that we can impart to our listeners. So, if you were to describe yourself as an emoji today, which one would it be? Oh,
3: that's tricky. Um, I quite like the emoji. I don't know how to, how to explain it because no one can see me. But the emoji where the the, the kind of face looks a bit pained, like this. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> a bit yeah, past, with so it's t- smiling like teeth out yeah sort of a bit uh, slightly annoyed and and frustrated I think I'm a gritted teeth person emoji today does that make sense probably not with you with Mm. you
0: yeah Mm. Sam
1: I think I'm the um the just normal face emoji but with the flat mouth just like I'm fine I'm not particularly smiley but I'm not like sad I'm just fine and also I once tried to write a joke about that because that is how my gran looked after she died. It got embalmed because they embalmed her <laughs> face really badly. And then oh I like stretched God. her mouth. So it just looked completely oh. flat. And I tried to talk about it on stage, but people didn't find it funny. But I found it funny.
0: Well, I'm glad you got that triggering experience <laughs> off your chest. on so stage I,
1: feel, the best place for it. I feel like my dead gran, basically. <laughs> you
0: know. okay. All right. Well, this is not wholly positive. I'm going to opt for the... The woman that's smacking herself in the face, like, oh my god, seriously! Oh, I like that one. I think I'm gonna go. I like that one. It's quite funny, mm-hmm. but it's at the same time, yes. Mm-hmm. The world is going a little crazy today, but that doesn't matter because we've got two fantastic, funny women here, and we want to find out more about you girls. Now, I know that you know each other from some of the work that you've been doing for the hearing impaired community. Is that the right way to put it? I don't want to get this wrong. So,
1: hearing um, loss or deaf community.
0: Hearing loss deaf community and sam you're an ambassador for one of these charities action on hearing loss
1: Yeah, so i'm an ambassador for action on hearing loss and for the british tinnitus association so i have two types of tinnitus and a hearing aid because i am a sexy
0: deaf package (laughs) (laughs) so two types of tinnitus i so i don't know much about tinnitus i know it's like a ringing in the ear sensation which is absolutely horrendous and doesn't go away
1: Didn't know that there was more than one type. So that's what I always thought it was, a ringing in your ears. But actually, it can take on loads of different forms. So it doesn't have to be like a high-pitched ringing. It could be a white noise. You could hear your heartbeat in your ears really loudly. Um, I have a high-pitched beep that I hear. And then I also hear a kind of wavering noise that sounds like there's a spider living in my ear and scrabbling around, which is what I first thought it was. Genuinely went to the GP and asked her if there was something living in my ear. She was like, no. And I was like, thank God. Um, So it was quite a quick diagnosis then no she didn't say it was tinnitus so I um I mean I have anxiety so I worry about all the most ridiculous things in the world and we've all seen those weird YouTube videos where like someone has animals living inside them and they burst out of a spot and then so I was like oh my god I've got a spider living in my ear and it's gonna lay eggs and then one day all these tiny spiders are gonna run out of my ear so I went because I was hearing this weird noise, but only when there was loud, only when I was in a really loud environment, like a club or something. Um, So I thought it was the spider being like, it's too loud for me in my new home. So I went to the GP and luckily I'd been seeing her for a while. So she knows what I'm like. And she had a look and she was like, there's nothing living in there. Um, It might be a bit of water on your ear because I swim. um, But let's send you for a hearing test just in case, just to check there's nothing more sinister. And then it was when I went for that hearing test that they said I had uh, moderate hearing loss. So it goes mild, moderate, severe. So I had like medium hearing loss and they advised me I needed a hearing aid. And I had no idea. I thought there was a spider living in my ear
0: and then I got a hearing aid. So you hadn't experienced any loss anywhere of your hearing. What about when you're on stage? Did you ever realise that you were the one that was kind of like, oh, I'm I'm not quite catching this or can you turn it up? Nothing at all? Well, but in hindsight, Yeah
1: there were loads of times that I couldn't hear. But at the time, you just attribute it to other things. You're like, oh, they're talking really quietly on the TV or um, I can't hear that person on the phone because the line's bad or, you know, that person in, in the comedy gig is just talking really quietly because they're shy or whatever. Um, and so, you, yeah, I was just constantly attributing it to other things. And now looking back, and also now I'm more aware of it and wear a hearing aid. I can definitely see the times when I can't hear Because the weird thing is, I said this to Anna before, you can't hear what you can't hear. So, which sounds really straightforward, but if you go for an eye test, you can see that you can't read something. But hearing, you just think, you know, you can hear everything. So I came out of the hearing test like, oh, my God, I've got twenty twenty hearing. That's not a thing. And they're going to be like, <laughs> oh, you have the best hearing we've ever tested. Also, because I'm really competitive and it's like you have to right. press the button every time you hear a noise. Um So, and I sort of wasn't aware of this whole world that wasn't hearing. But then when you get a hearing aid for the first time, if you can have one and it works for you, it's amazing because you suddenly hear all this stuff that you've like not been hearing. And it's actually really overwhelming to begin with because everything's so loud. Um, And that's why it's so important that if people get a hearing aid and need one, that they wear it all the time. Because when you first, because I saw a, article today which is like 40% of people with hearing aids don't wear them um because when you first get it is so overwhelming and everything's really loud and it's your brain has to get used to it again having that extra noise and it can take like a week of you wearing it every day for it to kind of um become more regular and even itself out so it's really important you wear it all the time and then it's amazing like it's helped me so
0: much and do you ever have moments where, as you say, it's overwhelming, but also for other reasons, where you just really, is it is it helpful to switch off in some in some situations?
1: No, you don't really like you're switch your hearing aid like that. off. That's I think that's a bit of a like myth thing. Right. Like, you wouldn't you wouldn't keep it in your ear and switch it off. Uh, the only time I've ever had it in my ear and not had it on is when it runs out of battery. Also, because I have one sided hearing loss if I don't wear my hearing aid, I fall over because my balance is really affected. So I was actually one symptom of my hearing loss, which was I was twisting my ankle like all the time for like three years. And I went to um, physio and they were like, oh, you've got a weak ankle. And I was doing all these ankle exercises and I just kept falling over. And it wasn't like twist it, carry on walking. It was like fully stacked it every time, like Mm -hmm. cut bloody knees, like a primary school child um and since i've had my hearing aid as long as i wear it i never fall over and it's been three years so it's That's super weird Interesting. but it's been overwhelming like in magic Mike, when i was doing the show it is pretty cool show but um it's it's very loud so i'm speaking on a microphone over the top of music in the background over the top of 350 women screaming And at times I have to speak to an audience member, hear their reply and like say it back to the audience. So in and and Magic Mike were great about like getting me hearing protection. And I had an attenuator in my other ear, which is like blocks your ear up, but just lets through uh, a non damaging level of sound. But it, it was in those environments, it can obviously still be really overwhelming. And I have to really concentrate on like lip reading, which can be really difficult, especially if you haven't heard the person speak before, because you don't know if they're going to have an accent or something. And then lip reading is harder. It, It can lead to some comedy when you misunderstand people's names. I once had a woman called Fanny, actually, her name was Fanny. And I just thought I must be lip reading it wrong. And then she was like, I'm French. I was like, like that's an excuse and that makes it makes sense I was like okay great but it was a bit of the show where I had to ma- make a joke of like Magic Mike was going into insert the right. person's name so then I had to say Magic Mike's going into Fanny like over and over <laughs> again and it just worked perfectly. So.
0: <laughs> but It's great that so did any part of you feel intimidated at the prospect of doing a live show which actually to most actors would be quite nerve-wracking with the prospect of all of that sound you're such a huge audience you know you're using um mics which you don't normally do for for stand-up you know it's a handheld kind of thing did a part of you ever question oh god will I be able to cope with this or did you feel reassured from the start um I had a handheld mic
1: for the show um, so it was just right. like stand-up, but it was covered in Sor- Swarovski crystals. So Amazing. Now I will only accept that sort of level <laughs> of microphone for a Yes, um, as you should. I don't know. I guess I didn't really think about it. Like I try not to let my hearing loss hold me back and I even wrote a children's book about a little girl with a hearing aid whose hearing aid doesn't hold her back deliberately it's like yeah. an extra.
0: Harriet versus the galaxy is that right? Yeah
1: so her hearing aid translates alien languages and she protects the earth um, from horrible aliens with her gran. Um so yeah I don't I never really think oh this is going to be a problem for my hearing loss I just think I'll give it a go see what happens and yeah it was it was difficult at times with my hearing loss but the positives definitely
0: outweighed that and Anna you've had um, a similar experience
3: um Sam and I sort of spoke about only spoke recently about both our experiences because we sort of met through we knew each other anyway from the circuit we kind of met through action on hearing loss um properly and I I had no idea that um that she had hearing loss and I hadn't really spoken about mine very much um But mine mine is very different um, to... So I think, Sam, you said you were 30 when you got diagnosed, is that right? Yeah. For me, I'm really interested in in her experience because she's someone who's been able to hear fully previously. And I find that really interesting because I was diagnosed as a very young child, so around two or something. So the way I was diagnosed was my mum put me on the phone to my nan when I could say some words. And um, she'd obviously put the phone on my deaf ear... And I didn't say anything. I apparently apparently, just stood there and my nan just came back to my mum and said she's not said, she's not spoken. And I said I couldn't hear her. My mum was like, oh. And then I started getting these hearing tests, um, which back in the early 80s was you tapped a pen. I don't know if they still do it like this. You you tapped a pencil. You had these big headphones and you tapped a pencil every time you heard a noise. So I was this little kid just tapping a pencil going, weird, I don't understand. Um and then they stayed, they did all the tests and stuff and said I was completely deaf in my left ear. And um, we don't really know why. Um, my mum was very ill when she was pregnant with me. She was about six months pregnant and she got measles, uh, German measles. or And that's why I had the rubella injection now, um, which you couldn't have then because it stops it. Because German measles can cause um, lots of things like deafness and um limbs not growing properly and various things like that so she was she went to the doctors at six six months pregnant and said I'm I'm really ill I'm really worried it's it's the bad measles and that the baby's going to be affected and the doctor was a bit like yeah might be like didn't help at all and then so we think it was that um we don't know so I've sort of I've I've kind of grown up never knowing what it's like to hear properly so I have probably adapted to it very very early on um and sort of just got used to sitting at the front of the class and um just sort of being on the right side of people so my right ear can hear them and it wasn't I don't think it was until I got older that it started to bother me just in terms of social situations when I started going to pubs and bars and stuff just the nightmare of the background noise which most people find anyway in a normal I'm sure you guys do um you go somewhere and it's just all you can hear is the beat of the music or the people talking and for me it's worst um so I read an article about hearing loss and how modern modern bars now have no soft furnishings and carpets and curtains and stuff and apparently back when they did um background noise could be absorbed by those materials and it meant that it was easier to hear. So now I and mean, you probably notice you go to a really cool trendy big warehouse bar with high ceilings and brick walls and stuff the, the sound is horrendous and I find the biggest issue for me has been socializing and in groups. So if we were all in a, in a bar now which would be lovely. Let's imagine we've, we've met up for a couple of bottles of what wine. What are we drinking? We're drinking Come wine, down. I think. We're drinking a nice white wine. Wine, I yeah, rosé. I, mm. I would probably be find it hard to hear you guys if it was noisy and I'd constantly be sort of making sure I could hear you or I was sat at a certain way. Sam might be the same. Um, and weirdly, this whole lockdown thing for me, I was saying to Sam the other day, I have found it easier to communicate in groups because on Zoom and group chats like that I can see people's mouths I can I don't have to have background noise they don't and I'm finding it easier which sounds I miss going to a pub and stuff but I'm finding it easier to have a chat with a group whereas before I've noticed I do very my social life was just a lot of one-on-one chats because it's too in a group it's too stressful um but I'm a bit worried about the face mask thing um people having to wear face masks on and stuff because i i probably do lip read naturally without even realizing i'm doing it but there's something like i mean i'm no one can see you people listening can't see but if i cover my mouth and talk yeah I, I don't know if you guys find it disorientating. Sam probably does. I find it really stressful because I feel like I need to see someone's mouth, so that's going to stress a lot of people out. I think I've seen
0: masks where people have actually tried to bring that into consideration, and they're you know um, see through on the middle section and then fabric, etc. But it's just whether or not the majority would
3: go out and get them. I don't know how mainstream those masks they're, are. They're hospitals, I think, at the moment for people with hearing loss so that doctors and nurses can use them, I think. Well, uh, Action right.
1: on Hearing Loss are doing a big campaign to raise awareness of um, the fact that it's more difficult for the deaf community. Also, a doctor got in touch with me um, weeks ago, this was, when everything had just started, and she was saying that she might had to have to be signed off work. Because she was deaf and she used hearing aids, and because of all the all her colleagues are wearing face masks the whole time, um, yeah. she couldn't understand what was happening. And that's like you know one of our doctors who does great work, but just because of that one thing, she might have had yeah. to be sent home. And there's also a campaign that Action on Hearing Loss are doing because a lot of the government announcements about coronavirus haven't been subtitled, so it's not been I accessible. For um a lot of the deaf community, which is obviously awful if there's a government oh, yeah. announcement, it's and stressful. a study has found that they um that they have violated the equality act by doing that. wow um, um
3: yeah, i I think I read that, but I think they started to sign are they they subtitling and signing them now.
1: Well, I don't they're meant to be, but one was released today with i'm not I think it was about coronavirus testing. It wasn't the prime minister; it was someone else, and that wasn't subtitled. So
3: it's, I, it's um it's just very isolating. I think, um, it can be very isolating. And I think I was saying to Sam, like, I didn't get involved in the community or tell people that much. For not because I was not because I was ashamed, but just because I couldn't be bothered to explain it. Um, <laughs> it sounds really silly, but I just because it's that thing it opens up loads of questions. So sometimes I just don't say anything, and then if someone starts saying stuff and, and I go, "What?" Pardon, I go, "Oh." I'm deaf in one ear and then I just want to move on and talk and they go why yeah happened and I'm like I don't I don't really know I just am um and I think I I only started getting involved in it I I sort of thought that you could only get involved in these kind of charities and the community if you were fully deaf and I suppose I always had this thing that that I that me and Sam were talking about the other day that I thought because I was half deaf then that meant that I didn't have the right to kind of get help or talk about it. I see what you mean, yeah. Because I thought, well, I'm still, I've am still, i still got half my hearing. I can still hear, technically. Um, so why, how, how dare, why, why should I get help or why should I talk about it? Um, and then I sort of realised when I found out more about the charity that actually it's about different types of hearing loss and not just being fully deaf but having a bit of hearing loss. And that's really opened my world up a bit and made me realise there are other people that, want to talk about it and it is it can be stressful and it doesn't mean that my feelings aren't sort of valid and I think we would say it's an invisible it's sort of an invisible disability you can't see it I don't wear hearing aids because my hearing loss is I'm not able to um I, I have a cross aid which is a little microphone on the deaf side that picks up sound and sends it to the right but that can be quite I use it in weddings sometimes if I'm sat next to someone and I want to hear them but for me that's just a bit disorientating trying to because I'm getting so much sound from one side into the ear, it, it, it's it's not that great for me. Um, but because you can't see it, people don't know. So often, people obviously won't know, and then I and that's and then sometimes I have to explain it. They say, "Why well, haven't you got a hearing aid?" And it's it's a, it's a weird one because people don't have to know unless you've got hearing aids on the show. And as performers in the comedy industry,
0: do you think that there needs to be more? done or it needs to be more of a conversation that we're having or do you feel like your hesitation to talk about it as you said was just because you know it just seemed like it it was something you wanted to get out of the way and not dwell on but is it ever kind of come up in your comedy career that you've that or your performing life that you feel like more needs to be done and people need to be a bit more empathetic for example? I think
1: more conversation needs to be happen happen in every work environment because especially through Action on Hearing Loss, I've met a lot of other deaf people who, you know are passed over for jobs and things and obviously that's illegal now which is good so the company doesn't say that but they just won't offer them an interview or won't you know give them proper reason why they didn't get a job and so you know it can be much harder to get work and um people think that it's going to hold you back in the workplace and i think we're quite lucky in the creative industries people tend to be um, more open about it. And I know at Magic Mike, you know, I said up front at the beginning, uh, after they offered me the job, I have hearing loss. And they, you know, the I had discussions with the sound person and he was like really trying to make sure I had everything that I needed. So I think it's also about we've all faced stigma, you know, whatever we have. And I I know me and Anna have with our hearing loss. So it's about having the confidence to be open about it, even though some people react badly, because most people want to help. But it it can be really difficult. And I started talking about it in my stand up um, when I was diagnosed. And it is a difficult thing as well. Because when you talk about something serious like that, and you're meant to be, you know, making jokes and um, helping people forget their day and have a nice giggle, which is totally normally my remit. Um, but then you you mentioned that you have hearing loss, like automatically, as soon as I say that, the whole audiences do bum clench. Are like, oh my God, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is suddenly going to get really serious. Is this going to get uncomfortable for me? What are we going to talk about? So it's it's funny writing hearing loss jokes because you almost have to like, apologize or say like,
0: don't worry, this is still going to be silly, but it's also going to give you some facts. So stick with it. Do you segue straight into the divorce chat just to make them feel really uncomfortable? <laughs> I,
1: I I say I have... Um, I have a he- hearing loss in one ear. I wear a hearing aid. I'm divorced and I have two cats because I'm one <laughs> sexy comedy package. Is
2: I can, can I just <laughs> put a word in for audiences as well? Because I just think we get quite a lot of deaf people that come to watch comedy. Mm. And I remember years and years ago when we first set up Funny Women, someone said to me, oh, there's a big crowd of deaf people in the audience. And I said, oh, and we had a signer. And the way they clap is they they put their hands up in the air and and do jazz hands. And it was just so amazing to see all these people getting the joke and then clapping with their hands up in the air and we had and the other one was that we had an amazing signer the last one of the last shows we did before lockdown was at the wow festival in the royal festival hall and we had the most incredible signer she was so brilliant and you know jess robinson the um uh, she does amazing impressions she does an amazing sort of number with impressions of everybody and this signer did impression she signed all the way through this song
3: no way I think it might
2: be on my twitter feed somewhere I but it's,
3: it's, on, just- it's on youtube or something it's on youtube it? it's so
2: incredible the signer just took stole everyone stole Jess's thunder but you know that's the other side of it you know making it good for audiences as well
3: yeah. And I think signing, I mean, I I would love to have a signer in my show. I haven't done the show for a while, but um, I did have when I, I wrote an article for The Guardian like a year or so ago. It's the first time I'd properly talked about it. And I, I basically just wrote this article about my hearing loss and sent it to the I just picked a name from The Guardian, the stage editor, sort of guessed his email and sent it. And he was so sweet. He came back to me in a day and went, this is brilliant. Can I just make a few edits? And I'm going to publish it. And he published it and I um had all these lovely new followers and people saying, Thank you for talking about it, that this makes lots of sense, and I'm really glad I'm not alone with it and stuff. And a couple of them said, Do your show are your shows signed? And I said, No, and I felt really bad about it. But I also I sort of wish that in Edinburgh there was a signer that could do some sign shows. And I wish that's something we could have, even if they go, This mm. this day is going to be a signed performance of this show. Like, that would be lovely kind of out of your hands though really isn't it and it's also a
0: finance i guess it's you money know, you have to think of the fee for yeah. someone yeah, yeah. You have to
2: pay them i mean i i would if we if we have a live final this year of the funny women awards i will say it here and now we'll put a signer on the stage mm. in fact i'm going to try and get that amazing woman from the wealth festival
3: yes. <laughs> she was just so she incredible. should be presenting the whole thing yeah, yeah. brilliant I'm trying to subtitle my videos as much as I can and I've I've been I was going to say that to you I noticed that you do that and uh, I was going to say is that a conscious move yeah yeah, and also I I, I think it's good for lots of reasons to, to have the subtitles on but mainly because I think it's really important that people can access my stuff I'm I'm not great at it I've been I'm using iMovie and um I'm just sort of like trying it and I talk quite quickly so it's probably not the best but I'm trying to make sure that there's the subtitles available because I know on like some streaming platforms um like Game of Thrones wasn't subtitled for ages and a lot mm. hard of hearing and deaf people couldn't watch Game of Thrones and I know that Action and Hearing Lost did a lot of campaigning to try and get things subtitled and, and they said it was lovely in their office because they said look they have lots of um people in the office who hadn't watched Game of Thrones and suddenly they'd all they were all able to watch it and talk about it and I think it's really important that Everything's accessible. And I think performing arts is tricky. You said trying to, there's so many, especially Edinburgh, there's so many shows and the cost is huge anyway. And it would just be lovely if there were more signed shows for people.
1: The onus shouldn't be on us as the performer, it should be on whoever's organising the, you know, like Lynn has said, she will have a signer at the Funny Women Awards and Funny Women's a charity still. You know, if I ever do a big book event or something like that, I say they have to have a signer. I think what's so difficult about Edinburgh is, because I really want my shows to be signed as well, but people don't realise that we have to shell out thousands of pounds to be able to perform at Edinburgh. It's not like we get paid. Mm -hmm. But I think the venues should offer you a signer and should cover that in their venue Mm -hmm. costs because they make money from the bar and thing as well as our show um and I think you know obviously doing things like subtitling your videos is great I always subtitle my videos and my Instagram stories as well and it does take longer um and sometimes you can be like oh I have to subtitle it but it is so worth it just to make it accessible
0: Mm. I think as well if you you know if you have Decent hearing. It's just—it's one of those things. It just wouldn't necessarily always occur to you, but actually, a lot of people now are watching comedy on their phones in their workplace or on the train when they don't have the sound up. And I do it myself yeah. loads. I mean, I'm always watching. I've watched some of Anna's um, amazing comedy clips, which we'll get to. We'll definitely delve into. But I watch them, and I just watch the captions because actually, um, that's a skill in itself. And if the captions are funny enough. Sometimes it's quite good. It's a real test. I'll watch something silently first and then I'll muted and then I'll kind of judge whether I want to watch the whole thing and unmute it. So I think but I think um you know if our listeners do one thing today and they a lot of people that listen to this obviously are in the comedy world and make comedy and write comedy yeah it's just to bear that in mind and always be thinking about the people that can't access your work and what you can do to change that I think that's something that definitely hopefully we can get from today's conversation Mm. um also, hearing loss is much
1: more common than you think. Uh, Eleven million people in the UK have some form of hearing loss and deafness. Wow, so that's one in six
3: people. I wonder if there's more who haven't realised or haven't got any diagnosis. Might may, yeah, may well be more. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: also other here. I have something. I have hyperacusis, which means that I hear uh, certain frequencies louder. Uh, and more painfully than others and I had to have one of those hearing tests you know you press the button and it's not hearing loss it's just a different I can hear it's here hearing more <laughs> it's hearing more of different frequencies but that actually I went through a period when um it, it made me feel really lonely um, because I just felt like things were too painful. And, um, you know, certainly there, I remember that I had some birds outside my window and and it was driving me mad. And I looked into it. There's always a forum on the internet for everything. And there was a group of people that had set up a forum for people with that issue. But, yeah, there's so many people that have um, issues with noise and noise phobia as well, which I, know, I wouldn't say is anything on a part of hearing loss, but it's just to kind of always be mindful. I mean, you always see these memes and things on Twitter about, Oh my god! If I hear one more person eating noisily, do you know what I mean? There's like, there's actually, it's quite an emotional thing, sound, and it's it um, triggers people in different ways. And I think, yeah, it was just interesting finding all these people that some people had it so bad they couldn't leave the house because they couldn't bear to be around people eating and chewing. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was quite sad, really. You know, um, I think a lot of it is to do with that. Uh, it was bound up with mental health mm-hmm. issues as well. But yes. Well, that was a very interesting trip down the internet. How how guilty are you girls of uh, Googling your medical um, problems when they come up? Is it something you do or do you try and avoid that? Oh,
3: I'm terrible. I'm such a hypochondriac. And the older I get, the worse it gets, I think. You, I, I've just turned 40. And every time I um have an, an ache or pain or anything like that, I Google it. And obviously, I see the worst thing on there and decide that that's what I've got. And I think it's because <laughs> also as you get older, more people around you do unfortunately get ill ill or elderly people get ill and you do become really aware of your own mortality which sounds a bit stupid but you suddenly go god okay I really do need to look after myself um it's hot yeah so I, I I'm, I'm I'm terrible I will google things and then I'll obviously of course you see the worst thing that you can see and then I go down a rabbit hole going oh, no how are you coping with um the old COVID, the old Rona. Um, have you, have you had any moments? Yeah, I did. At the beginning, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, the beginning. I think, like a lot of people, like most people, I it, the whole thing was so overwhelming and it happened so quickly that I was having really bad nightmares. I think a lot of people were that I spoke to really weird, feverish, like feverish dreams and those really bizarre, intense ones where you wake up and think that you're still in the dream. And you have to realise, check yourself, and say it's okay. It's just a dream. Um, I was having that a lot at the beginning. I was very anxious about money and the, all the jobs I lost. Like in the space of a day, I lost a load of work, um, including some freelance admin work that I normally do to keep the money coming in. And th- there was an advert I filmed that was supposed to go on air the week of lockdown, and that got pulled. And there's a, I, that, that first uh, month, I'd say, was very stressful. But also then I'd feel guilty about feeling stressed because I was like, I, I'm yeah you know, there's so many people in worse positions than me that i kind of was swinging between feeling sorry for myself and then feeling guilty for feeling sorry for myself so i did i was trying to do lots of acts of kindness or just helping people get shopping and helping people and trying to just do something which i think out of this has hopefully brought some good stuff like that people coming together and i think the last few weeks i've i've felt much better because i've adapted to it i think it's amazing how quickly people adapt and it's suddenly like you go, this is the new normal. I've adapted to it. This is the way things are at the moment. But the beginning, I think the uncertainty, and I read a really interesting article about uncertainty and a psychologist was saying the reason everyone's feeling really weird and having weird dreams, it's all about what uncertainty does to your brain. And you eventually, apparently you adapt to it and then that becomes normal. But when it's first happens and your whole world changes, your brain apparently takes a long time to catch up with it. But what I love is that you've been um, doing these really excellent comedy videos and um,
0: I'll tell you how I know that they're doing so well is because you you mentioned something about WhatsApp. My sister actually WhatsApped me one of your videos and I'd obviously already seen mm-hmm. it because I'm a fan and I thought, well, she must be, this is really taking off and going viral now because she's on the old WhatsApp yeah. thread. Do you know what I mean? All the moms mm-hmm. sharing it and stuff. And it, I think you really just tapped into... It was a really nice balance because you tapped into how people were feeling that weirdness the uncanny feeling as you said but it was very light-hearted and and not political with it even when you start talking about you know Boris was sending us all back to work he did a lovely sketch about that but it was really it was really kind and and not political and I think it's really hard to strike that balance um so have you felt that the has making these sketches helped you yeah
3: I mean the, it was it just came about quite naturally and it came about from a week when I was feeling quite down and feeling a bit like frustrated I kept going to write things and, and I couldn't my brain just I couldn't concentrate for more than five ten minutes um and I was really struggling and I think I just woke up one day and thought well what can I do creative but it's not going to mean I'm sitting at a desk for two hours because my brain was saying no you, you can't do that and then I think I had I think then the first video I did was a smug lockdown one where it was the first 30 seconds were called smug lockdown and the second 30 seconds were called normal lockdown. And the first one's all really nicely filtered and someone having an amazing time baking and, and learning the piano and learning three languages. And the second half's the reality of watching Contagion and crying and eating biscuits and only doing 10 steps a day. Um and that totally came from me getting really annoyed with on Instagram and Twitter and people just going on about how amazing it what They were baking and they were learning French and they were lo- and I was like that I'd love to do that, but it's not realistic. So that, that first video came out of me getting annoyed, going off oh, for goodness sake, like this is not normal. Most of us are in our pajamas and crying. So that video, I made it in a day, taught myself to edit, which was a great new skill. And then I put it out there not thinking much and that went viral and I was obviously as you said I tapped into something and then the um, back to work one that came from me chatting to some friends who have lots of office jobs and they were really worried about going back to work and the commute and the all the things that they didn't miss at all and that sort of came from I just did that as a bit of fun but the interesting thing is it's like when I've spent hours planning videos and I, I have all these videos of my characters online I can spend hours scripting them filming them editing them overthinking them and I put them out there and often they do okay but they don't hit anything amazing and I go oh that was fun as soon as I literally come up with this an idea of anger or out of like <laughs> a emotion, I just go, that that'll do and I film it really quickly that seems to work so I think the law of least effort is something I've learned quite a lot during this <laughs> just go for it if you've got an idea and don't don't overthink it I think And Sam, you've been keeping yourself
0: busy with your divorce podcast, Divorce Club. Do you talk about Divorce Club in Divorce Club or are you not allowed to talk about Divorce Club in Divorce Club?
1: Oh, Divorce Club is all about divorce. (laughs) Um, I think what Anna said is so true. Like when you come up with an idea out of an emotion, it just works. Like I've had podcasts before that I really like cared about. Like I had one called Periods, Amazing Women in History, which um, highlighted awesome women throughout history, but lesser known and you know and that did quite well and people listened and it was fine but um the divorce club yeah I only started it a couple of months ago and it was me getting divorced not having any friends who've been divorced I'm the first one so not having anyone to talk to about it so I just thought I'll make a podcast as an excuse for people to talk to me about their divorce so that I don't feel so <laughs> alone. And, yeah, it's really taken off. It's um, the number one. So this was one, your research project. <laughs> yeah, it's the number one relationship podcast on oh,
0: iTunes. Really? Oh, amazing. This That's done, well done. Gosh. And Lynn's been on as Lynn's well. was on it? it. Yeah, I know.
1: God, I had to dig out my
2: memory bank for that one. I mean, I've been married for so long. I couldn't, I couldn't remember getting divorced. It's quite funny, wasn't it, Sam?
1: Everyone yeah. I've had on the show, including you, Lynn, has sort of said, oh, God, I can't remember because I don't really talk about it <laughs> because no one asks these questions except me. Um, um, and so I think it's just been really nice to hear people's experiences that have been so varied as well. Um and it yeah. kind of informs your own experience and just, yeah, makes you feel not alone. And I was never in any cool clubs at school. So I decided to create a divorce <laughs> club so I could be in a
0: club. So how long is it since you've been divorced, Sam? Well, the
1: weird thing is I'm not 100% officially divorced. <gasps> You're not oh, decree
0: nice
1: I am decree nice-eye, but not decree yeah. absolute. Oh,
0: okay. So,
1: um So we separated about two years ago now, year and a half, two years. Yeah. So yeah, we're And Has he listened to
0: the podcast out of interest? I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) I
1: haven't.
0: (laughs) The chances are he will have done. No,
1: (laughs) I haven't said it. I doubt he will. He's he's messaged me and said, you know, we still talk, and he said, "Oh, how's it going?" Um, and and no, he's he's a nice person, so I haven't said anything too awful. I don't think. You
2: don't, yeah, we'll,
0: we'll, we'll analyze we'll analyze Lynn's episode and see if you slipped up. <laughs> no, we, we were very nice.
2: nice yeah. weren't we? we were very nice on our. Episode. Also, it's more it
1: about did... our experience. It's more about me and the person talking and what we mm. felt rather than like slagging off the exes. That's not what the podcast is about. And so many people go through it. Forty-two percent of marriages mm. end in divorce, and yeah. it's actually quite hard to find guests because there's no like <laughs> list of divorced people um so I just have to like tell everyone I'm
0: divorced and then hope that some of them will be like me too they'll come out the woodwork oh well I'm in your I'm in your gang I haven't been on your on your club yet but I'm I'm happily divorced but I've been divorced for um I think I got the the last bit is it the absolute bit last January so I'm still quite freshly freshly and shiny and new (laughs) still and losing my divorce genity do you know what I mean but um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of shame that goes with it. Still, still, I know we're joking and stuff about it, but I think you know there is a little bit of shame because it's it's when things don't work out, and you obviously get married with the best of intentions. Um, and uh, obviously Georgina, the bride, has been married before <laughs> Anna, and uh, yeah, well, exactly. she's she's still planning the wedding. <laughs> I'm guessing you the plan- wedding I'm happened
3: COVID. For about eight yards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um. Yeah, that's been going on for ages. But I, I did some lockdown podcasts as her, and I just, I was like, I can't pretend she's still planning a wedding. So I just, she told <laughs> Simon, her husband. But in the stage show, in the stage show, she doesn't get married. She has a wedding rehearsal, and Simon comes in at the end, and she jilts him. So she never even gets married. So there's like, it just because it, it, it's a fictional character, I can kind of move her around. To make her whatever I want, which is quite fun. We got a lot of people cancelling their weddings though this year. Well, yes. I mean, yes. and postponing. Yes. Definitely. So many. Yeah. So and I've, divorce I've been... rates
0: are
1: meant to be going up.
0: Yeah. yeah been well, been well I'm just waiting then. for all the um, divorced men to come out of their relationships. Obviously, <laughs> do you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there and catch them in a funnel.
3: Um, I'm <laughs> I'm in the no. I've never been married, gang. Never mar- married. Currently have a boyfriend, but um not engaged or anything, but I made the main bulk of my income from pretending to (laughs) (laughs) get married and Georgina, the bride bridezilla for people who don't know who she is. That was my first solo character. And previously I was in a a comedy duo with Beth Weiss and we did funny women um, stuff as well. And I went solo and she was the first character I did was a bridezilla because partly because I've been to so many weddings and picked up a lot of comedy um, from that and just came up with this character. And it's, and then they, I ended up two years later, I'm suddenly doing these shows that were was like a full wedding, the wedding rehearsal show. And I had actual wedding dresses that a wedding dress company had sent me. And I tried on a wedding dress um, at the age of like 34. And I thought I'd feel something. And I was single at the time. And I remember putting this and it was beautiful. And I put it on and I just stood there and was like, not had no feelings I was like no this is just a costume um and then I, I I did the show in Edinburgh and then I ran the UK and Australia so I reckon I've I've done a wedding show 150 times I reckon and I feel like if I ever did get married, a wedding, I think if i ever did get married I don't think I'd be able to wear a white dress I think it would have to be a bit different because it would I feel like I've done it which sounds really weird because I haven't but I've done like a stage show and it, it, when I did the stage show it when I was planning it, I realized how similar a wedding can be to a production. Absolutely agree with you on that. Getting married was saying, you know, all the elements that come together. It was like me planning a production and then being one of my friends said she wanted to get married because she felt in her life, she'd never been the center of attention. And she quite oh like, liked the idea of being a, of almost like it's a performance and she's the one. Yeah. And she said to Just me Just have
1: was, a party, oh. you don't have to get married yeah. to be the centre of attention. Yeah.
3: She said to me, You're you get you're so lucky you get to do it all the time because you're a performer. And I was like, I'm not gonna get a performance. Like, That's really sad. Really but I have noticed
0: weddings are becoming more of a production, you know, yeah. it's it's yeah. not it's not surprising now when the bride gets up and does a number. <laughs> um at the end of the ceremony and also the wedding videos now are out of control people hire you know videographers to come in and do this whole you know they do these little montages and stuff and it's all acted out so I can kind of see that I was going to say both of you are um very very good at your social media and on staying connected with people and I, I actually get Sam does a like a newsletter a news update sort of uh, every so often um how important do you think it is to to be on social media if you want to work in comedy because obviously a lot of our audience are people that might be starting out etc you've d- both done such a great job so I
1: own a social media marketing company called penguin oh in the room. I didn't know that yeah called penguin in the room PenguinintheRoom.com. and uh we manage people's social media accounts so I head up the company and I have a team of lovely people who keep it all running because so obviously I'm doing things like talking about my divorce on podcasts. Um but yeah, I found social media is really important and not just for kind of exposure, which is what people think of it first and foremost. It's actually just really useful to like build relationships and make connections and you know, set sa- um Sarah Milliken, who was the first guest on my podcast we met really through Twitter. Like obviously we had lots of gigs and things in common, but we never like really chatted backstage in a green room or anything like that. And so we met properly on Twitter and then I wrote for her magazine and I was at Standard Issue and I was on the podcast and stuff. And so I just took to Twitter to ask her to do my podcast. And similarly, like with Anna, we've interacted most obviously we knew each other from comedy but we've interacted most through again through twitter and I think it's just a great way to kind of meet like-minded people and build connections I I think a lot of people think I have to be on social media and I have to get loads of followers and then I have to be really important and get verified and and I think it's not about that it's about talk people talking to people and you have access Mm. to people all over the world
3: I sometimes love it and I sometimes hate it and I think I, it's choosing who you want to follow, I suppose, and who you, what kind of things you're interested in. Um, Twitter, I'm slightly better at. Instagram, I don't think I'm very good at Instagram. I feel like I don't really know what to do with it. Some, there's some brilliant stuff on Instagram, and I've, I've started choosing more carefully who I follow, and it's just subjects I like. I do follow a lot of cat accounts, um, <laughs> if, 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 if I'm feeling down, I just go on Instagram. A lot of my feed stuff comes up, yeah, cat pictures, and it makes me feel very calm. um But I, I mean, Twitter has sort of done stuff for me which I probably took for granted. But I, the part in Lee and Dean I got was because of Twitter. And you know, I had an agent. Oh, I didn't know that. That's you know, great. I had a good agent and stuff like that. But and I was getting some auditions, but not loads. Um, I have changed agents now, and that's been slightly better. But um, tw- basically, I just got contacted on Twitter by Marco Sullivan, who's the Dean in Lee and Dean, and he'd seen somehow f- started following me on Twitter, or I started following him through mutual friends, or you know, you see a tweet, someone does, and you start following them, and then he saw. I I tweeted a, a trailer for my wedding show, I think, with Georgina in the trailer. And he happened to see it. He was trying to cast this quite posh woman in his sitcom pilot, Mrs. Bryce D'Souza, and was struggling to cast it, saw my video and thought, oh, she might, who's she? She might be good. And then sent me a direct message on Twitter, said, can you give me a ring? I work for this production company, blah, blah. And I was a bit like, oh, okay. I don't know. You, you sometimes you get people contacting you think is this real and often they go you need to pay us 500 pounds to be in a film <laughs> um and then the rest is history i spoke to him he said Do you want to come for an audition and i was like okay yeah and then i've ended up i ended up in two series as a big part um that that didn't happen through my agent that happened through twitter um and i've an amazing story and you're now writing with him yeah, as well, so aren't it? really, it's really interesting how that changed my life and um as sam said that you make lots of connections with with different people and you can choose who to follow. sometimes I have a break from it if I find it a bit overwhelming um and sometimes i and I sometimes I have had I'm sure sam's had this as well you do you know the more you put on there, I suppose and the more followers you might get you do you're you're gonna get some nasty tweets and I have had some um and it i it does go it does hurt because it you're human and of course it does and I think a lot I know it sadly. Loads of women get trolled the the way that men don't. I know um, a lot of people, comedians especially, get their looks get discussed in a way that a man wouldn't have their looks discussed because they're making a joke or you know who do they think they are? And I find that that really really upsets me still that that's happening. Um, And I know some comedians, I know some people who've who've been had some really nasty tweets or messages, and they've they've decided to take to reply to the person and say, can I just ask why you thought? why you did that and, and how it's made me feel and a couple of people have had apologies I got one the other day about a program a, a new BBC thing I'm in that someone decided to tweet me twice in the space of 10 minutes to tell me how awful they thought it was
0: oh my god and, that's terrible and what but I thought and it's not awful it's the first team and
3: you're amazing and in it it's great it's a really good scene all I did is I, I replied and you shouldn't really reply but I thought no sorry but I'm gonna and I reply going hello um can I just ask? I'm really in, intrigued or I'm interested in to know why you felt the need to tweet me twice to let me know that <laughs> you do not like it. And I'm so nervous going, oh, God, I'm going to get a reply. And the go- he didn't reply.
1: That is so the bad side sometimes yeah. of, of social media. Mm. But I think it's actually the bad side of just being in the public eye a bit rather than social yeah, media. Definitely. I've got emails saying that I should die and that I'm stupid and lots of swear words. And that was just from becoming the uh, Tinnitus Association ambassador. Um, wow. Because people get very angry nice. tini- Yeah, a charity, they said I should be fired. And I was like, you do know I'm not being paid. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> trying to raise awareness of tinnitus. Um, but, yeah, you get you get horrible things about everything you, you've yeah. been in and things that you write, but just block them.
0: well thank you so much for being guests on the show today and um best of luck with all of your various projects i'm sure we'll be reading many more books and seeing more sketches etc from the two of you in the future so thank you so much and thanks lynn as well thank you lynn thank you you've been listening to the funny women's survival guide and i've been your host alexis Strum. Thank you so much to our guests this week Sam Baines and Anna Morris and of course thanks to Lynn Parker from Funny Women for joining us in the studio. Sam can be found on Twitter at Samantha Baines and Anna can be found on Twitter at Anna Morris comic with two R's in the middle. Action on Hearing Loss can be found on Twitter at ActiononHearing. on Hearing and finally let's get to some recommendations. So uh, future Funny Women Survival Guide guest, Emma Ciddy's amazing La Princesa de Woking is, um, (laughs) I hope I pronounced that right, is ready and waiting for you to get your teeth into on YouTube. And I also would recommend I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole, which is on BBC at the moment. Um, It's a drama about consent and it is just incredible. And in live comedy news, yes, that is still a thing. Not off the press. Jason Manford is starting a brand new online comedy club. It starts next Thursday, the 25th of June. Tickets are available now at theweeklystandup.com and you can also find them on Twitter at weeklystandup underscore. In terms of Funny Women events, there are some regional time of the months coming up as well as Have We Got Women For You on 30th of June. And you also have until August 28th to nominate your favourite comedy web series for the Funny Women Best Web Series Award. Find out more about all of these events via funnywomen.com. And finally, if you want to find out more about me, go to thetimeialmost.com and try and figure out what our future children will look like. Please subscribe, download, rate, review and share this podcast. Your ongoing support means so much to us. Thank you. Stay funny and stay safe.